All right, if you have your Bibles, please open them again to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, please. We'll continue in our study on growing grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this first part of the year, I want to focus on the word grace, grow in grace, God's amazing grace. Last Sunday, we looked at God's wonderful, God's marvelous grace. Today, I'd like to look at God's wonderful grace. God's wonderful grace. See how wonderful it was in the life of the Apostle Paul. And we're going to focus on, we're going to see the grace mentioned in the midst of the Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh. The Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh. Let me ask you, what do you think his thorn was? Notice he said he had a thorn in the flesh and in fact, he prayed three times that God would take it away, and God didn't answer his prayer. So what was his thorn in the flesh? I'd like to ask four questions concerning the text we look at today. And hopefully we can gather some gems that might help us in our everyday walk with the Lord. So first of all, look in verse 7 and verse 8, please. First uh, Corinthians 12, you see this mention of a thorn that was in the flesh of the Apostle Paul. Verse 7 and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. In verse 8, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. So what, what would you say this thorn was? It was given to him, and he asked the Lord to take it away, and the Lord did not answer the prayer. Uh, as I prepare this message, I read many commentaries. Here's some different uh, uh, reasons or what they answers they gave. They said some saw it as some form of anxiety that Paul would live, go with. Anx anxiety he suffered with in life, that the thorn was uh, some form of anxiety. Others said it was an opponent in the ministry, someone who opposed him in the ministry, wanting to give up and quit, throw in the towel. Others saw it as a physical malady, some form of physical ailment. They're, they thought it might have been something like an eye disease or malaria, a migraine headaches, insomnia, epilepsy, all different explanations of what his thorn was, though the Bible does not clearly tell us. But what do you think it was? Was it an anxiety? Was it an opponent in the ministry? Was it a physical malady? And I want to say, yes, I believe it was all three. <laughs> First of all, I believe it was some form of anxiety. What does the Lord tell us to do with our anxieties? 1 Peter 5, 7, casting your cares, your anxieties on the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. And notice he prayed three times to cast that care upon him, but the Lord would not answer that. So I believe it was some form of anxiety for Paul. But also, it says that an opponent in the ministry it goes on to say, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. It didn't say it was Satan. It was said it was a messenger of Satan. It might have been another person. It might have been a demonic uh, uh, angel of Satan sent to him. But it was sent to him to buffet him, to badger him, to hassle him, trying to give up and quit and give up the ministry. So no doubt it was an anxiety. No doubt it was some form of opponent in the ministry. But also, I believe it was a physical malady. In fact, the word thorn in the flesh means a bodily annoyance and disability. Whatever it was, it was a constant annoyance, 
Satan used it to continually buffet him, and he prayed three times for God to remove it, and God said no. So, most people believe, which I do, that it was actually a form of eye disease, eye ailment. Let me give you reasons why. If you look at Scripture, though it does not clearly tell us this, I believe we can look from Scripture and see that he had eye issues, eye problems. It says, first of all, Paul was supernaturally blinded when he was converted. Remember on his road to Damascus, he's going to go there to uh, arrest people and put, have them put in jail and put to death. On the way there, Christ appeared to him, and a bright light shined around him. He fell down upon the ground, and it blinded him. Acts chapter 9, verse 8, it said, And Saul rose from the earth. When his eyes were open, he saw no man. And he, and he was three days without sight, neither did he eat or drink. So it was a period of time he had no sight, and, so, and no doubt it had some effect upon his eyes. Also, the reason why people thought it was an eye ailment because it appeared that Paul had eye problems later on in his life. Hold your finger here in Corinthians, please. Go with me now to Galatians. Galatians 4, page 1641. I believe it was an eye ailment, maybe possibly as a result of the being blinded with the bright light on the road to Damascus. But we can clearly see that he had some form of infirmity, referring possibly to eyes. His eyes. Galatians 4, verse 13. Galatians 4, 13. It says, verse 13 said, You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. Verse 14, And my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ. By the way, the word temptation means adversity or trouble. It talks about some adversity or trouble he had in his flesh. Verse 15, here's why we think it may be his eyes. It said, Wherein is then the blessedness ye speak of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. So it's believed that he had eye issues to the point those he ministered to who loved him so much Paul said, you love me so much, in fact, you gave me your own eyes, if you could, because he had some eye issues, uh, physical uh, adversity or trouble. But also, another reason why I think it's eye issues, because his epistles, he wrote most of the New Testament, many of them were written with large letters. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, suggesting eye troubles, he said, ye see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand. I'm not talking about the length of the letter he wrote, but the, the fonts, how big they were. Someone said this was the first large print Bible. <laughs> the Apostle Paul wrote it in large print because he had a hard time possibly seeing as a result of his eye issues. And more specifically, many people believe, and I've, if I, forgive me if I've mispronounced the word, that it was what they called ophthalmia. ophthalmia. This was a common disease in Paul's day. It was an inflammation of the eye. It results in congestion in the eyeball, often eye-watering, redness and swelling, itching and burning, and a general feeling of irritation under the eyelids. It is, had different causes, sometimes by infection from bacteria, viruses, and may result from physical trauma to the eye, maybe the bright light he saw on the road to Damascus. But whatever it was, it was a constant irritation. By the way, have you ever had any irritations in your eyes? 
I remember many years ago, I went to what was called the Gator Nationals up in Gainesville. It was a drag racing. I went there with my brother and my uh, cousin. He rented a big uh, motor home, and we go over there and spend the night and watch the drag racing there, and one of the biggest in the, in the country. And so I met them there, and I was looking forward to it, and then we spend the night in the uh, motor home. And I got next morning, and my eye, one of my eyes was hurting so bad. And it was, I looked in the mirror, it was all red and kind of swollen and just irritated, and I couldn't see out of it. And so I maybe it get better soon, so I went out and tried to watch the drag racing. And it was so bad, it just consumed me. I just couldn't even pay attention to anything. I said, my brother Randy, Randy, I, I got to go home. I can't even deal with this. And so I went home and called the eye doctor, and the next day I went there, and find out I had what was called iritis. Iritis is where your immune system attacks your eye. And it did that, made all red. So they gave me some eye drops, and I took it, and it, it went away. Came back the next year, came back the next year over a period of time. But how about you? When, while that was that way, I couldn't think of anything. I mean, just constantly just consumed me. And maybe this way the way the Apostle Paul was. And it consumed him, and just, just an awful thing. Can you imagine trying to serve the Lord and go around preaching with that going on? And, and so, whatever it was, there was a constant annoyance. He asked God, would you remove it, please? And God told him no. So it was something maybe Satan even used to badger him. Because it's believed that with that disease, sometimes it deformed your face and all the swelling of the eyes. And, no, and can you imagine having that, trying to serve the Lord? So whatever it was, the Apostle Paul prayed about it. So what was his thorn in the flesh? It was no doubt it was some form of physical infirmity that Satan used to badger him. But he asked God to remove, and God said no. Number two. The next question, why was it given to him? Why was this thorn given to him? It said in verse 7, please, of 2 Corinthians 12, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, again he says, lest I should be exalted above measure. Let me give you three important things about a thorn, and maybe... Maybe you have some thorn in the flesh. Maybe there's something in your life that uh, you feel, if you, without it, you could serve the Lord better. But, and, but, and, but people might use it against you to make fun of you, laugh at you. I don't know. But you have some form of thorn in the flesh. Uh, let me give you some important things about that. First of all, for the Christian, a thorn in the flesh does not come by chance. It didn't just happen. It was an accident. It didn't take God by surprise. It does not come by chance. So whatever your thorn is, it does not come by chance. Next, it comes either by God's permission or his appointment. It comes by God's appointment or his permission. No doubt God had his hand upon this, allowed Paul to have this either by his permission or he himself gave it to him. It was by God's appointment or permission. Number three, the thorn is given for a specific purpose or a specific end, a certain purpose or specific end. The thorn does not come by chance. It either comes by God's appointment or permission and given for a specific purpose. If that's the case, what was the purpose of Paul's thorn? Why did God allow him to have this or actually give it to him? First of all, number one, to keep Paul humble. To keep Paul humble. Again, he says in verse 6, he said, Though I would desire to glory... I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear lest any man should think of me 
above that which he seeth me to be, or heareth me to be, verse 7, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation. When Paul talked about a man he saw many years ago, caught up the third heaven, in body, out of body, cannot tell, that was himself. He talked about his experience. Through the revelation, he was caught up to heaven, whether he said, as in the body, out of body, could not tell, but he saw things, heard things he could not share. And who wrote most of the New Testament? Paul did. The abundance of revelations. So it had been easy for Paul to think higher of himself than he should, but also for others, people, to exalt Paul. Lest I should be exalted above measure, Paul gave him a thorn to humble him. And if you think about it, if it was some form of eye disease that deformed his face and made him hard to see, no doubt that would keep him humble, and people would not think of him more highly than they ought to. So the purpose of Paul's thorn was to humble him. Number two, to keep Paul dependent to keep Paul dependent upon the Lord. If you would, hold your finger right here in Corinthians. Go with me now to Philippians chapter 3, please. Philippians 3, page 1654. Remember, Paul's stone did not come by chance. It was given to him for a specific purpose by God's appointment of God's permission. First of all, to keep Paul humble so he would not exalt himself or other people exalt him above measure. So God gave him a thorn but also to keep Paul dependent, trusting the Lord. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul gives a testimony about himself here. Philippians 3, verse 4. Paul said, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other thinketh, any other man thinketh he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of the Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisees, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which of the law, blameless. What was Paul saying? In the service for God, if anybody has the right to, or the ability to trust his flesh, Paul said, I do. So what did God do? Because trusting your flesh will not get the job done. God gave him a thorn to keep him humble, and keep him dependent, dependent upon God. The third reason, purpose for a thorn, is to produce weakness, to produce weakness. Now, as I cover these, think about the thorn you may have, why God may have given it to you, to keep you humble, keep you dependent, to produce weakness. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, the latter part of it, he concluded by saying, when I am weak, then am I what? Strong. So this thorn humbled Paul, kept Paul dependent, and made him weak so he might continually depend upon the Lord. So number one, what was Paul's thorn? We don't know for certain. Whatever it was, it constantly annoyed him. So Satan used it to badger him. He prayed about it. Did God remove it? God said, no, I will not. Why did God give it to him? To humble him, to keep him dependent to keep him weak. Number three, the third question. How was Paul able to live with it? How was Paul able to live with it? If it was indeed some eye disease which deformed his face, made his eyes water and hurt all the time and squint, I understand that with the arthritis I had. I, if that continued, I don't know how I can live with it. It's so demanding of your thoughts and consume your time and attention. If that's what Paul had, maybe a greater degree, how was Paul able to live with it? 
I'm glad you asked. It's called grace. It's through God's grace. Look again in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Paul prayed that he might remove it, and God said this, verse 9, He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Notice, first of all, God's grace is God's enablement. Grace is God's enablement. Now look very please so you don't get confused. I'm so grateful for God's grace and salvation. God's grace and salvation, the saving grace is called God's uh, unmerited favor. It's favor God has bestowed upon those who deserve just the opposite. And so he had grace, for by grace you save through faith. The Bible says, with the grace of God, bring us salvation. So saving grace is called God's unmerited favor. But those of us that receive God's saving grace, God's grace continues, and now I believe it's referred to as God's divine enablement. God's divine enablement to do what he's called us to do. Here Paul said in verse 9, it said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. He referred to his grace as strength. He goes on to say, Then my power rests upon you. So this grace in the Christian life, grace and salvation, God's undeserved, unmerited favor. And maybe that favor is bestowed, continued. Now that I am saved, God calls us to serve him and gives us the grace to do so, the power, the strength to do so. And let me tell you what God's grace did for the Apostle Paul. First of all, God's grace enabled him to accept his thorn, to accept his thorn, his disability, whatever it was. He said, for this thing I besought thee thrice that might depart from me, and God said, my grace will be sufficient. Paul learned to accept his thorn. Also, God's grace enabled Paul to glory in his infirmity, to glory in his thorn. He said, most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities, my weaknesses. He goes on to say, in, back in verse 5, such a one will I uh, glory, yet not myself. I will not glory, but in my infirmities. The word glory means boast, to joy, to rejoice. Because of God's grace, this thorn who just constantly annoyed him and brought him problems, he learned to find joy and rejoice in it. The third thing grace did for him, caused him to accept his thorn, to glory in his thorn, and lastly, take pleasure in his thorn, his weakness. In verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in what? Infirmity. The word take pleasure means to favorably look upon, to be favorably inclined to. So what happened here, here's something Paul endured. He asked God to take it away. He, in other words, he felt like I could not serve the Lord effectively if I continue to have this thorn. God says, no, my grace would be sufficient. And, and basically, and he learned from that to accept the thorn. He learned to glory in it. And he learned to take pleasure in it. All because of God's grace. And notice here, not only is grace God's divine enablement, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. He goes on to say, my grace is sufficient for thee. That was God's answer to his prayer. My grace is sufficient for thee. Let me give you some things about grace or the sufficiency of grace. First of all, the word sufficient 
means it's constantly available. It's constantly available. How about you? I'm grateful for that. There are times when I need some of God's strength, some of God's enablement. And he said, the word is sufficient is in the present tense verb, meaning constantly available. God would not remove the thorn, as Paul had requested, but would continually supply him with the grace to endure it. The word sufficient also means it's adequate for the need. It's adequate for the need. Whatever need it is you have in your life, you've asked God to take care of, God says, my grace is adequate for that need. And then lastly here, it is, always comes in just the right amount. It always comes just the right amount. When I need God's strength, it's always available. It's adequate for whatever need I have, and it always comes just the right amount. Now, look up here, please. Here's the question you may be asking. You say, Pastor, I may not have the same thorn Paul has. I have some thorn. I have something that hinders me. I feel like it hinders me from serving the Lord like I would like to. I've asked God to take care of it. He has not. But he says his grace is sufficient. And here's the question. How do I get the grace? How do I get that power enablement to do what he called me to do? I'm glad you asked. Hope you write it down. How do I acquire God's grace? First of all, going to the right place. That's God's throne. Going to the right place. God's throne. Look on the screen there, please. Maybe you know the verse. Hebrews 4.16. Christian, it said, Let us therefore come boldly unto the what? Throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find what? There it is. Find grace to help in the time of need. That is occurred, happens by prayer. Christian, when you pray, what happens? You're ushered in the very presence of God. The Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might find mercy, but also grace. Do you need grace, my friend, today? My friend, it's found through prayer at the throne of God. The second way to acquire God's grace, not only going to the right place, but also being in the right position. Being in the right position, the one of humility. One of humility. Look on the screen there, please. You'll see James 4, verse 6. The right position to receive grace is one of humility. James 4, 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the what? Humble. 1 Peter 5, 5. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And my friend, if you're a prideful person, you will not receive grace. The position to receive grace is humility. Go to the throne, cry out to God in prayer, and with humility of showing your dependence upon him, and you shall find grace to help in the time of need. The third way to acquire it is both prayer and humility. Prayer to the throne of grace, humility enables us to receive his power. Both prayer at the throne of grace and humility enable us to receive his power. Notice what he said again in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 12. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may what? Rest upon me. The word rest has I to descending upon one, working within him, helping him to do what God's called him to do. Number four, we're going to wrap it up with this. 
Look up here, please. What was Paul's thorn? The pastor, we don't know for certain. We don't. Whatever it was, it was a constant annoyance. Satan used it as a messenger, sent a messenger to badger him, to buffet him. He asked God to remove it. God said, no, I won't do that. Why was it given to him? Now, think about this. If you have a thorn, why was it given to you? Paul's case, it was to keep him humble and make him dependent and keep him weak. So how was Paul able to live with it? It's five words, five letters, one word, grace. God's enabling grace. So let me clo close this question. What is your thorn in the flesh? What is your thorn that you have that if you feel like you did not have it, you would do so much better for the Lord? You would serve him much more effectively. And you even cried out to God, remove this from me, and God has not done it. What is your thorn? Now, as you think about that, it may be a, a person, it may be a thing, maybe a place. One man told me, Pastor, my thorn in the flesh is my mother-in-law. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. So I know your mother-in-law, she's not a thorn. She waves to me. What is, what is it? Is? What's your thorn? <laughs> but anyway, remember this. As you think about your thorn, things we said about Apostle Paul, remember the three important things. Your thorn did not come by chance. It's not there by accident. It didn't take God by surprise. God said, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize that happened to you. My friend, it's not by chance. It came by God's appointment and his permission. Whatever it is, God either appointed to you or permitted it to happen. It is under his hand. Also, it was given for a certain purpose. It was given to you for a certain purpose. You may have to decide what that purpose is. Maybe it's keep you humble, make you dependent. Keep you weak. I don't know whatever the purpose is to give them for that reason. Remember that. And also remember the purpose of a thorn. What were the twofold in Paul's life? Keep me humble. Do you have a problem being humble? Or keep me dependent? I don't know about you. When I had that iritis, I was praying up a storm. <laughs> I was dependent on God because I was asking him, Lord, please help me with this. And he happened to use the medicine that man developed to remove it. Whatever means, I was so glad he removed that from my eye. But also, also remember, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient, which means it's constantly available to you. It's adequate for your every need. How many would say, Pastor, I need God's grace? So many of us do. I don't know about you, I do. I found more of a need of that since I had my heart attack. But God is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. And he would meet every need, and he'll do that for you. So look up here, please. I'm wrapping it up. I'm done. So, Pastor, it's about time. <laughs> Listen carefully. God's enabling grace begins with experiencing God's saving grace. God's enabling grace begins with experiencing God's saving grace. You remember what God's saving grace means? It means unmerited, undeserved favor. Can you think of a verse that tells us we're saved by grace? You've heard this verse a thousand times, haven't you? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Look at it on the screen, and we'll wrap it up with this. If you're here today, you're not certain heaven's your home. You don't know if you have eternal life, your sins have been forgiven. Look at this verse. 
When I first saw this verse, my eyes kind of bugged down on stems because it's different. I heard all my life. I heard all my life that you got to be good. Good people go to heaven. Bad people go to hell. If you're going to get to heaven, you got to work for it. you got to do something to obtain it. But notice what Ephesians, Paul said in verse 8. He said, for by what? Grace. God's unmerited, undeserved favor. That you're saved through faith. Read on. The salvation is not of yourself. The salvation is a gift from God. And also, it's not of works lest any man should boast. When I first saw nine, I go, wow. The Bible says salvation is not anything that I do myself, not obtained by any works of righteousness that I do. It's a gift God gives me, and it's not obtained by works. I said, wow. It's just opposite what I hear some people say today. It's not of works lest any man should boast. So listen carefully. If your works, if your deeds, your behavior got you to heaven, when you got there, you could grab your lapel and say, whoo, look at me. I was so good. I lived the life. I walked the walk, talked the talk. And because now I'm here today, if when you get to heaven, you can't say, look what I've done. All you can say is thank you for what he's done. His grace has saved me through faith. So have you trusted Christ as your Savior? If not, why not do that today? If you have, is there something in your life that hinders you from serving the Lord? Something in your life that keeps you from living for him? My friend, and maybe it's a thorn. God placed, God allowed there. What do I need, Pastor? You need grace. His grace will be sufficient. Let's bow together, please. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, let me talk, first of all, to Christians. How many say, Pastor, I'm saved. I know heaven's my home. I have no doubt about that. But, Pastor, I needed this message. There's something in my life I've been dealing with. I prayed about it, but God doesn't seem to move, remove it. But I believe God spoke to me as he spoke to Paul. He's telling me my grace is sufficient. How many say, Pastor, that message was for me? I need God's grace. Hold your hand up high, please. Hold it up high. Let me see it. Yes, all over. God bless you. My friend, his grace is sufficient. It's adequate. Where do you find it, brother? Where do you find it, sister? Go to the throne. And you find it by being humble. But if you're here today and you're not certain heaven's your home, you're not certain you have eternal life, my friend, you understand what the Bible says, how to go to heaven. We saw that in Ephesians 2.8. God saves us by his grace. It's unmerited, undeserved favor through our faith. His salvation is not obtained by anything you do yourself. His salvation is a gift. Cost you nothing, cost him everything. His salvation is obtained not by works. It's a gift he gives to you freely at the expense of Christ. Your part is to, by faith, receive Christ as your Savior. To trust him is your only means for eternal life, your only means for heaven. And when you trust him, he gives you eternal life. The Bible said, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. He that trusts in Christ gives him eternal life, and heaven becomes your home, all because of his grace. If you've never trusted Christ before, my friend, why not do it right now? Right where you're sitting in this church or watching by live stream. If you've never accepted or received Christ as Savior, why not trust him today? Place your dependence upon him as your only means for heaven. See, Pastor, I like to do that, but I, I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. Why not talk to God and say something like this? Just say, dear God of heaven, 
I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And because I've sinned, I've earned, I deserve your punishment. But God, I believe that Jesus was punished in my place. I believe when he died, he died for me. I believe he was buried. I believe he rose again. And God realized that I cannot save myself. So God, I'm trusting Christ to save me. I'm trusting him to forgive me and to give me eternal life. I'm trusting Christ, my Savior, here today. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, my friend, did that make sense to you? Did you just talk to God and place your dependence upon him to be your Savior? Did you just pray that prayer with me? If you did, according to the Bible, heaven is now your home. God saves you the moment you trust him. I'd like to know if anyone did that today. In one moment, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask for those who maybe did that for the first time to raise your hand. Raise your hand does not save you. I want to pray for you. My prayer for you does not save you. It's Christ that saved you by his grace. But if it made sense to you and you prayed to receive Christ as Savior today, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, don't look around, but simply raise your hand so I can pray for you. Anyone at all? Pastor, here's my hand. I trusted Christ. Would you pray for me this morning? Anyone at all today? That made sense to me. Father in heaven, since I saw no one raise their hand, though someone may have trusted Christ, raise their hand does not save them. But since I saw no one, I hope that means each one here has already made that decision to put their trust and dependence upon Christ, that heaven's their home, they have eternal life. But Father, help us realize when problems come our way, sometimes they can be devastating. Sometimes they can cripple us. And we pray about it when it doesn't seem like God answers our prayers. Lord, that's not there by chance. It has a specific purpose. It's by God's appointment or permission. Father, help us to look to you and your grace to find to be sufficient in that time of need. Help us to look to your divine able and to carry on what you call us to do, even though you've chosen not to remove our thorn. Help us to learn and experience and grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. His name we pray. Amen.